Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're with us. And just a quick reminder, if you're a new listener, we are an educational program. This is the answers you need without the sales pitch is what I like to say. And I think it's a, a different um way of communicating a lot of people i think most of the people that are doing financial shows are trying to sell something we're not trying to sell you a thing we do want to educate you last week and today we're going to be doing a part one and part two talking some about roth conversions and how to um, to minimize the taxes future taxes you might have on a regular ira we've had several listener questions about that and then spend the rest of the time talking about are you emotionally ready to retire of course, you want to be financially ready to retire, but are you emotionally? Have you thought through what it may be like once you stop going into the office every day and what that might look like? I, I still remember back some years ago when uh, the uh, when Milliken was doing their pre-retirement workshops and we, uh, Dr. Jim Rook and I taught those and Leon Fiansky before that, we, we'd go to uh, Milliken and, and teach those. And they would always have some former employees that come that would speak to a dinner that night and this one couple they were from spartanburg and they would always talk about how when they first retired so he retired but she was in the real estate business so she always felt like i'm, I'm gonna it's my career i'm gonna keep working well after about two weeks going out the door and watching him just sitting there watching reading the paper and drinking his cup of coffee and being so relaxed he said <laughs> Enough of this. I'm going to retire too. So she retired as well. So sometimes we think we know what we want to do, but we don't always, um, we find out later it's not what we really wanted to do when we find out something else might have been a little sweeter deal. Let's let's take that instead. I ran across a, a video this week that I think uh, it doesn't have a lot to do with money per se, but it has a lot to do with education. So we're here to educate. There's a lot of basic things in the world that we should know about that our education system is not teaching people money is a, a huge part of that they were not being taught the basics even of budgeting and and some of the things that people should know about when they get out of school they just don't know about that they have to learn by the, making their own mistakes or maybe their parents would teach them and like i've asked a lot of the guests that i've had on the show especially the ones who were celebrities um, professional athletes and so forth what who was it that most influenced you about money as you were growing up? So this is a, a couple minute blurb about um, Washington, D.C. And who knows what the D.C. in Washington, D.C. actually stands for. And it's amazing to me how many people, because I don't know how many people they actually interviewed, and they, I assume they picked just the ones who didn't know what it was. They didn't say how many actually knew what it meant. But a lot of things like that that we just take for granted and we assume people know what that means, but it doesn't mean, but that's, we're trying to get, they're trying to push through Washington, D.C. as another state and people don't even know what D.C. means. So this is just a couple minute clip. Uh, Paul, go ahead and run that and we'll see if we can lighten up the day a little bit. Washington, D.C. What does the D.C. stand for? Mm, something capital. Washington. What does the D.C. stand for? Hey, no cheating. <laughs> um... to know that when you can skate through life on looks like yours, right? It's hard. It's rough. What does the D.C. and Washington, D.C. stand for? Dominican Republic. Washington, Dominican Republic. No. <laughs> okay. I'm done answering your question. Okay. The nation's capital, Washington, D.C. What does the D.C. stand for? No help. Hold on. All right, I got this. I'm not your history major. You're a history major? What year in school are you? Uh, first year. 
Freshman? Yes, sir. Yeah, you don't learn what the nation's capital, D.C., is until sophomore year of college these days. That makes sense. <laughs> what does OMG stand for? Oh, my goodness. What about the D.C. in Washington, D.C.? D.C. in Washington, D.C. <laughs> the capital of America. What does that mean? Um, Washington. Washington, D.C. Washington. Obama. <laughs> there you go. Okay. What about the DC and Washington DC? The district county company. I don't know. Company. Criminals. District of criminals. District criminals. District of criminals. Okay. The nation's capital. Washington DC. Yeah. What is the DC? Dork, dorky congressman. Democratic community. <laughs> you have a DVR at home? Uh, yes, I do. What does the DVR stand for? I have no clue. How often do you use it? Um, all the time. What is it? <laughs> you use an ATM to get cash? Automatic, or automated. I should know this. I work for a bank. <laughs> it stands for the thing, the machine that gives you money. How's that? An ATM, use an ATM to get cash from the bank? Yes, sir. What does the ATM stand for? Automatic transition money. Transition money, I don't know. Okay. Do you have, a t you have a TV at home? Yes, we do. What does TV stand for? Um, television viewing. Um, that's all I know. <laughs> TV, great TV. Teleporting vortex. There you go. Teleporting vortex. Okay, so that should be a good reminder for all of us that there's some education needs in the in the country. So what does DC stand for? I'm sure Paul knows. <laughs> so the District of Columbia. Washington. Exactly. You the got it District right. District of Columbia. I didn't even have to look that up, Paul. <laughs> it's good. You're so smart. <laughs> I knew that already. An ATM, automated teller machine. Yeah, and DVR. I you know, people use these and, and I guess I still remember uh, video cassette recorders as opposed to digital video recorder with the DVR. So that's kind of interesting uh, with the the way people think. So I thought that was um, uh, sad but funny and and uh, both at the same time. But we're here to talk about money and and educate and make sure that you understand how all that works. And last week I started talking about some Roth conversions and and talked about the standard deduction and how. Uh, that many people don't use the standard, don't use itemized deductions anymore because the standard deduction is so high. And we're talking about Roth conversions and things like that. We went over a lot of that last week. If you missed that, go to talkingmoneyradio.com. Just simple as that, talkingmoneyradio.com. And when you get to the homepage there, you can go to listen, click on listen, and that'll take you to the former shows that we have recorded. We have a bunch of them on there with a lot of different topics. And last week's was has already been posted there, so you can listen to that on, on iTunes and Stitcher and all the kind of places that you want to listen to it. You can listen to it right there on the website. Uh, but one of the things talked about was the, the standard deduction, and, of course, this was for married filing jointly. I mentioned that several times, single. You're essentially cut everything in half. Um, but there is one more deduction, and my buddy Wayne from, from Greenwood uh, sent me a, an email uh, 
mentioning some of these things that I that I didn't mention, and I and that's an, another thing to remember. There's so many things that that I can talk about on Talking Money, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to cover every single thing that's on there. There, that's the one reason that I feel like the clients that come to see us come to see us because we none of us know don't know what we don't know. And there's there's many things in there that we hope that help pay for the advice that we give. And some of these things are are part of that. So if you don't itemize anymore, which a lot of people don't, so this year twenty five thousand one hundred is the the key the number for the twenty twenty one return. But if you're still doing your twenty twenty return, which is not due till the seventeenth of May, then it's twenty four thousand eight hundred, assuming you're both under sixty five and you're married filing jointly. Half of that if you marry if you're single, but you also have another deduction for contributions that for last year, and there was, this went back and forth with several um, fairly sophisticated tax articles that were um, confused in how to interpret the IRS regulations or whether or not it was three hundred per person, which means you'd get six hundred dollars for a, a married filing jointly, or just three hundred. Well, end up no, they meant just three hundred per tax return. So a single got three hundred, a married filing jointly got three hundred. They've changed that. And clarified it for 2021, you can do $600. So if you itemize, it doesn't matter. You're not going to use this $300 or $600. But if you take the standard deduction, then you you have the right to take an additional deduction, essentially an above the line deduction for the $300 if you're for for last year, or $600 for this year if you're married filing jointly for cash contributions that you might have made to to a qualified charity. And as Wayne pointed out to me, it's it's one of those things that's way open to fraud because there's no kind of documentation that you need to verify that. They're going to let you take 300 or six, 300 last year, 600 this year, whether you uh, married filing jointly again, whether you actually made the contribution or not. Now, that's not right. You shouldn't do that, but... But it's it's it looks like it's it's wide open for that kind of fraud. And some other things to remember when you're talking about um, like taking long term gains. So if you have a, a an asset, a mutual fund or something that you have a gain in it, then I encourage you to go ahead and sell it uh, last uh, in a particular tax year. Because if you stay within that 12 percent tax bracket, the long term capital gains rate is zero. And there, there again, it's different if you're single versus married to filing jointly. Understand that. But it's a nice way to, to lock in your, uh, increase your basis because you're paying zero gains on it. But you do, if you're, if you're old enough to where you're actually taking Social Security, you got to make sure. And I've mentioned this many times on Talking Money. just didn't mention it last week. So Wayne gave me a good reminder. Don't forget, you want to check and see how it also is going to affect how much of your Social Security is taxable and then weigh the difference on say okay taking it or not taking it which is going to be the most advantageous for you and then also of course the south carolina tax you may be up to four percent on south carolina tax as well that uh, you may not pay federal tax but there may be some south carolina tax you got to weigh all those differences and i think that depending on your situation then would depend on whether or not it's going to be a, a great deal for you or not deal so i've got a couple other questions that came in about roth indexed annuities that were coming due and whether or not you should bypass a 401k and go straight to a roth we're going to get to those questions we're a little past time for the break paul so take us away This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, 
Their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance, and as a fiduciary, work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your state attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. We're coming up on 21 after the hour. This is Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. So last week when I talked about some, some of the IRA things, uh, the question was, um, first one was several guys in the office is suggesting you take all IRA and 401k money, convert to a Roth due to the threat of rising rates. The other question I had was a, have a fixed annuity uh, from when I, it's a qualified annuity from when I worked for the hospital. Can I give my required distribution to a charity and not pay income taxes on it? So we covered those questions last week. So talkingmoneyradio.com, you'll get those. A couple other questions that had come in about the same topic I wanted to hit on. So the first one was my Roth indexed annuity had its 10-year anniversary today now that i'm out from under the surrender period which i assume was 10 years uh, i was thinking about transferring it to my t Rowe price roth what's your thoughts i also have an annuity that's not in a roth if i want to get this out is it best just best to get it and pay any taxes or just leave it in there taxes should be minimal so two great questions here two two parts to it so i i if you listen to me very long on talking money, I would say, yes, definitely don't renew the indexed annuity. If if you're trying to, to make any kind of inflation beating returns, you want to get it out of that because typically those are bond-like investments. They are not stock-like investments, which is the part that annoys me the most is they get sold like, we're going to make all these stock market returns when it goes up, but it's never going to, you make money when it goes down. I've never really seen one that did that. Uh, so they, they have caps on them and so forth. And the ones that don't have caps are uh, attached to uh, or mirror an index that's not just the market. It's got fixed income and things in it as well. So, so yes, uh, taking it out and getting rid of the fees on that and getting rid of that guaranteed loss. If you renew it again and have another 10-year surrender charge, another commission gets paid and all that stuff, you want to you try to minimize the expenses, not not increase them. And, and of course, keep your flexibility. So he didn't talk about how he has it invested. We won't talk about that at all. But of course, I just think if you, if you invested in a good balanced portfolio or even one of the, the, some of the T row price retirement type funds, um, that, that would be typically a better option long-term. Now you, right. You'll have fluctuation. The market goes down. It's going to go down, but you don't have a, an upside cap. So that, that I think over time will, uh, be better for for most people i think uh and then you have an annuity that's in a, a roth uh, that's not in a roth if i want to get so this means that if you cancel it whatever gain is in that annuity you have to pay ordinary income taxes on that and that's true whenever you sell or get rid of a non-qualified annuity it's a taxable event either from you or from your heirs or your beneficiaries so yes, it avoids probate because it's a named beneficiary, but you have to remember it's going to be taxed. The gain is going to be taxed to somebody, assuming there is some gain in there. You're going to be taxed. So in its ordinary income tax, not long-term capital gain. So you, you really have to weigh 
the options and say, okay, I got tax deferral, but when it comes out, it's long-term capital gain. Or I put it in, in something like a T. Rowe Price Roth that has capital gains potential. And so in that, as I mentioned before the break, you may potentially not pay any taxes on it because you're in the 12% bracket and you can sell it, get a, create that long-term capital gain, but not pay any, any long-term capital gain taxes on it if you're in the right lower bracket that you can do that. So there's a lot of things to weigh back and forth on this, but I think getting it out of the annuity while you can, while you're not paying any surrender charges and putting it in something, especially if the taxes are minimal, that long-term you're, you're, you should make more money there. There again, depending on how you invest it and so forth. And there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts here. So it's where it, it pays to work with a professional who's not just trying to sell annuities and that's really all they do they sell annuities and insurance products and if if they're going to find a way to have those products fit your situation whether they really should or not so you want to be be really careful about that the second question was and this is from uh mike another mike would you bypass a 401k and go straight to a roth so Fortunately, many 401ks allow you to invest in a Roth inside the 401k. So you, you don't have to worry about, should I bypass? But you don't want to bypass a 401k because even if it doesn't have a Roth uh, option to it, if there's a match, certainly if there's a match, you certainly want to invest in your 401k because you're leaving money on the table if you don't take that match. So if you put in commonly, you can put in 6%, they'll put in another 3%. So, which is very good. I mean, that's, you know, if you got a 50% gain on your money that year, how do you make up for that by not putting it in that, that account? Now, some people that qualify could say, well, I'm just going to go ahead and put money directly into my own IRA and, or into my own Roth because I like the Roth because I heard that's a lot better over time. Well, it's not necessarily going to be better. It just depends on where your tax bracket is now and what your tax bracket is in retirement. So in your early years, when you're, tax bracket is typically lower because you're not making as much money, then yeah, you could put money in a Roth and it's not going to hurt you that much. But as your income goes up, then you may want to consider moving it into something that has some tax benefits to it. And those tax benefits, because you're at a higher tax bracket, then you're hoping that in retirement that you'd be at the same or even a lower tax bracket. And I feel pretty confident that the 12% bracket's not going to be changed much. The, the, the lower income, typically the the Democrat to Congress and the, even the, the Republicans who are more in favor of taxes or tax increases don't seem to touch those lower brackets as much as they touch the higher brackets. So you, that that twelve percent that you're deferring now or saving now because you went in traditional IRA and got a tax deduction for it or a traditional four hundred one k, then when you take the money out uh, and it's still twelve percent when you take out, well, really getting into a Roth or a traditional IRA is not going to make any difference mathematically. It's going to be the same. So if your tax bracket though is higher in retirement, then of course you want, want the Roth. If it's going to be lower, then you say, okay, well, I'd rather be a traditional IRA now or a traditional 401k, save the money while I have a higher tax bracket. Then in retirement, when I go on social security and I'm just living off income from my investments and it happens a lot where people then drop below that that bracket and they're now in the 12 percent bracket because they've gone down from the 22 percent bracket down to the 12 percent bracket now they can take that money out from the traditional ira and they put it in and they saved 22 percent 
they take it out they're only paying 12 so you you it's not one is not always better than the other so you always have to weigh the options look at all the different facts even as wayne had, had pointed out you gotta look and see how much my social security is going to be taxed at that point in time and and having some options in that we'll talk about this hopefully a little later on the in the program or we've talked about it in in other talking money segments that having multiple buckets, multiple types of assets, some taxable, some non-taxable, some Roth, some some traditional IRAs, having different types of income to draw on from in retirement helps you plan it so that you can try to stay in the 12% bracket by pulling some that you need from something that's not going to be taxed that year. All right, so we get back from the, the break. We're going to go back into what are you ready for in retirement? Are you ready for the emotionally are you ready for retirement be right back ronald blue trust is pleased to sponsor talking money ronald blue trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear bondage and conflict They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. You're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. We're talking about some Roth conversions and taxable income and retirement and some fun things like that. Uh, but also talking about are you emotionally, emotionally ready to retire? So there was an article in the Wall Street Journal just a few weeks ago. Marianne Vandeveld had written this article. I thought it had some great points to it. And she's talked to a lot of retirees and pre-retirees. And she put this in an article, put some of her, the results of her, some surveys and some studies that she's done in this article. And last week we, we covered, she has eight questions to ask yourself and we covered uh, three of them. Oh, and by the way, if you've got uh, a question for me and you're listening to this by podcast, I don't want to forget to tell you, you can send those, those questions to Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. I want to remember to tell those because we have quite a few people that listen to this, not live, but listen to it as a podcast later in the week or whenever they get around to it. Uh, so you can send your own personal question and we'll get that covered on a future radio show slash podcast. And you just send that to Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. So the questions we answered, uh, discussed last week in this article, she said every Sunday night, first one is every Sunday night as I anticipate returning to work, do I look forward to finishing tasks seeing friends and colleagues, and perhaps learning something new? Or do I dread another week of tedious tasks and difficult people? Question number one, we covered that last week. Question number two, have I thought carefully about my financial picture? What expenses am I prepared to cut if money becomes tight? All right, that was question number two. Question number three, what do my already retired friends, relatives, and colleagues think? Or think about 
you retiring? And so that was uh, interesting that um, those questions that we, we talked about uh, last week. So we want to go on to question number four today. Here, the question number four is, would I like part-time work for more graduate retirement or is cold turkey better for me? Is part-time work even realistic in my field? Uh, she says she saw a former chief financial officer who is at 66, wasn't quite ready to retire fully. So he took a job handling the books for another company. So he learned within the first week how different that system was from his old one, how upset he felt when he couldn't quickly just pick up the phone and get questions answered. He just quit within a month. Well, at least now he knows what it's like. And we've had um, a number of people that we knew had tried that. And, and other people have, have not done anything and their spouse at the Christmas party says, hey, you know, look, I know he's retired, but can you find him something to do? Because <laughs> he's driving me crazy at home. We find that as well. All right, question number five. Do I have hobbies or interests that could fill my time? Is there volunteer work that I'd like to do? So uh, I, I, the first thing I thought of was this. I heard a story back uh, not that long ago about this uh, retiree. He was asked, what he's planning on doing when he retired. He was going to play golf. He said he was a, he was a decent golfer, uh, but he was frustrated because he wasn't able to play enough and, and wasn't able to improve his game and so forth. So he's looking forward to playing a lot of golf and really getting his handicap low. For those who are not golfers, that just means you're playing a lot better. Your skills low, lower, not higher, and you're doing well with that. And so about six months later, this uh, his friend ran into him and said, hey, uh, how's it going? It's been six months since you retired. Is your golf improving and so forth? And he was just the most frustrated retiree golfer that there ever was. He says, no, it's gotten worse. And so the, the explanation was that while he was working, golf was a good outlet. It was a good recreation. It was fun. When he retired, golf became his obsession, became his job. And when it became his job, it wasn't as fun anymore. He didn't relax. He didn't get better. He actually got worse. So sometimes you think, okay, I think I'd really like to do a lot of that when I retire. And then you find out, nah, maybe I don't want to do that much. Maybe I want to do some volunteer work. We have a number of clients that go to the adult education classes. There's a lot of those available in this area. And that helps you interact with other people, helps you learn a new skill, even if it's not something you plan on you know, doing anything with, it, you may find a new hobby that you that you want to pursue and so forth. Just be careful. Uh, caution people when you go to these adult education classes. Uh, a lot of times, especially the financial ones and other things, they're just trying to sell you something. They're trying to get you in the door to sell you whatever their product is and so forth. So you want to make sure you really go to the ones that are educational, not that are just trying to sell you something because they don't. They don't scrutinize those a lot for the people that are that are coming in. They love to have somebody that's going to fill those slots and and uh, and get some fees for those classes, and that's as far as it needs to go. And put a disclaimer on there that says we're not responsible for uh, what they say. Uh, so she says the the most successful retirees seem to need either part time volunteer work or hobbies that they love and that keep them busy. Still, people who assume they would like volunteer work would do well to explore the idea fully before answering the question. So that's another point. I think good point she makes is that, you know, look, try some of those volunteer activities that you think you're going to like before you retire. And because if you're going to plan on spending a lot of your time doing that in retirement, then find out you don't like it, then you're, you're stuck with, okay, now what do I do? Then she says, but it is entirely possible that you'll find it tedious, that volunteer work and not want to be 
not to do it. And she says, or you may be honored to be asked to be on a nonprofit board, but then walk into a hornet's nest of infighting that you had that you had thought you had left behind in your old job. You also you may also find that a large financial contribution is expected. Yeah, when you get on those boards, that's uh, part of what you may be expected to do. So you just have to be really careful. I know several, because I'm on the board, I've told you many times of Miracle Hill, great ministry here in town that does just a lot of benefit for the community. And there are several retirees uh, or former high-level executives at the different jobs that work now at Miracle Hill in higher positions. I know they're not making the kind of money they were making before, uh, but they're using their skill set now for something that they're getting paid for, getting paid less, so that's their contribution to the ministry. But they're still they're still contributing that skill that's so vitally needed. How many times do you know of, of nonprofits that just aren't run very well? Well, you get some of these executives that have great experience in their field as a CFO or a, or a COO and whatever they whatever they may be a specialty have a specialty in, and get those people on your team. Boy, what a what a great way for the the CEO that uh, Ryan Durick, who's the C, the new CEO at, at Miracle Hill, how much easier it is for him. He's still got a tough job, but it's still easier for him. How much harder it would be if he didn't have those good people and how much of more precarious the ministry would be if something happens to the CEO and you don't have good people underneath that can keep the place running until a new CEO can be can be brought in place. Um, so let's see. Uh, yeah, there was a survey she had done. that. Well, actually, she quoted one that was... Um, uh, see, well, I think this is one that she did. Yeah. And she said, it was, how happy are you? How older Americans compare with other age groups in terms of, of happiness as individuals? So 40 and under the question of what is your level of happiness with your personal life? The very happy and extremely happy were about 30% of the people that were surveyed 56 and older. The people that were very happy or extremely happy was 75%. So about 75%. So that big difference in those people but of course there were people who retired who were not happy they were not they they were on the lower end of that so it just looks like the trend is as you retire that uh, you reduce the stress especially for those who have a lot of stress in their jobs they're leaving it behind I mean, i've i've worked with clients who who came in and you could just tell by the way they acted by the way they sounded they were just totally stressed out at work and then working with them through retirement they, they retired and they come back in and the first year or two after they retire, it's like a totally different person. You, you wouldn't even know the same personality because they were so stressed out from work. And if that's you, then you need to think about changing jobs or maybe it's time to think about retiring. Uh, question number six, what friends do I have now that involve neither my career nor my partner? So she says, people seldom think about which work friendships will continue in their post-retirement life. In fact, they have no idea whether the coworkers are really friends or not. They are often shocked in retirement when they call former coworkers for lunch, and they are told no. Oh, well, maybe not that bad, but they're told no. Uh, also, men have a tendency to think that their wife's. This I thought was very interesting. Men have a tendency to think their wife's best friends are their own. They are not. There's a famous quote: "I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch." In fact, a survey I did with groups I spoke to showed that on the question of who is your best friend? More than 60% of men said my wife, while less than, should be fewer than, 20% of women said my husband. I thought that was a fascinating statistic. 
Um, so think about that. Who are your, who really your friends? So before retiring, she says, think hard about whether you're going to have those social connections that most of us crave and need to still health, stay healthy and whether we think we do or not. And I think another outlet for that, and it's a great outlet, would be your, your local church. A lot of people say, well, okay, I, I've not been able to, to get involved as much in my church, whether it's, it's helping in some part of the ministry or if it's uh, being involved more in a Sunday school group or a community group that meets uh, off-site someplace at somebody's home and a group if you get together and share, uh, those kinds of things that you can now get involved in, and that's going to help you develop some friendships. You may find out that those people, you don't want them to be friends, so you need to change community groups to get to a different one, but you at least have that option of moving around to see who do I like, and then finally you're going to, typically you're going to find a few people that are really kindred spirits to you and that you can be good friends with and see each other more often than just uh, whenever you have regular meetings. If you've got a question, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, Director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan, a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation. Unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. Got about 10 minutes here left in Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. We're talking about the, the being ready for retirement, not just financially but emotionally, and eight questions that were put forth in an article of Marianne Vandeveld a couple of weeks in the Wall Street Journal I thought were interesting questions to, to share with uh, the listeners. And so we're, we've gone through one through six. We've got seven and eight to go. So question number seven, what role is my partner playing in my decision about retirement? So she says, decisions should be yours as much as possible. You don't want to blame your partner if things go wrong, as tempting as that may be, she says. Then later on in the article, she talks about a couple she had counseled. I counseled one couple for four years. They were the same age, both accomplished, and working in jobs they enjoyed. They had friends who were planning a year in Paris and then a year in London. He decided, I'm not sure I'd ever want to do that, but anyway, uh, he decided it was time to retire and assumed she would feel the same. He was shocked when she said she wanted to work for another five years. Okay, I don't know how often that happens, but uh, that's what she she found that. And then later on in the article, she says, well, she says the repercussions were ugly because <laughs> he accused her of ruining their lives and their children all took his side. She held her ground despite the pressure. She wasn't just wasn't ready. Um, they came to did finally come to an understanding. 
So that's good. They're still happily married and she hasn't retired yet. So they, they worked it out. I'm often asked whether couples should retire together or at different times. And this was interesting advice she gave. There are good reasons, individual reasons for each position, but I generally recommend that husbands retire first. This may happen naturally because women are usually younger and have gotten serious about their career later. In that case, husbands who have never learned to cook or clean or organize the home have time to learn these skills and then share more equally in these tasks after both are retired. So I thought, because I remember uh, back some years ago, uh, having a, a client that a, a wife who said that um, when he retired, I retired, and and I've told other clients that in 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 future conversations I've had with them. Well, think about this now. You're talking about retiring from your job. Uh, what about your wife retiring from her job? Because they never thought about all the cooking, cleaning, and everything that she did was was her job. So it's time if you haven't already done that to get somebody to clean the house. Uh, you go out to eat more or you share in those responsibilities. So instead of one doing the wall, and that's what she's talking about in this article, that since it's later in your life, that if the husband retires first, then he has time to learn those things and hopefully he will learn those things. So I am kind of curious. Maybe I get some people to text me or call about this or send something to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. So how's your husband's home skills? You know, I've got fairly good home skills cookings you know I, I i can get by with the cooking uh cleaning and stuff like that i'm I, i'm good at keeping things organized and things like that but a lot of people aren't so uh, are and, and i understand my wife tells me all the time that's why husbands when they're when they become a widower they get married faster than their wife would because they don't know what to do themselves they, they've never done anything around the house so now they've got they need to find somebody that they love but that, that would help them around the house because they're they just feel helpless which that's not good either. So question number eight, do my partner and I have similar ideas about travel or where we want to live in retirement? So she says, in my survey, the number one reason people felt they might divorce at retirement was because they wanted to live in different places and have different lifestyles. The woman often wanting to be near grandchildren, the man wanting sun and sports. This is a difficult area, she says, in which to compromise. But asking yourself whether you're on the same page before retirement is a crucial first step instead of, of course, just assuming. I had a, a couple I worked with many, many years ago, probably 30 years ago. Uh, and when we were talking about their retirement, uh, the wife was saying she wanted to uh, build a cabin or buy a cabin up in the mountains. So they would have the cabin and then they would have their place in Easley. They could go back and forth, Easley, South Carolina, for those who aren't familiar with that, that are listening outside this area. Easley, South Carolina, just outside of Greenville, they wanted to, um, she wanted to move back and forth. She'd say, we'll spend some time here because our grandkids are here, but I'd love to get up the mountains and into the cabin so that I, um, could, we could just get away. You know, we, we think we'd really enjoy getting away. He stopped her almost immediately and said, I am not taking care of two houses. So their financial resources were such that if they had another house, He'd be the one taking care of it. And he says, I'm not going to retire just so I can take care of two houses. I'm just not going to do it. And that's the first time either one of them knew that the other one felt that way. So discussing that, of course, before retirement is a whole lot better than, than waiting till after retirement. She goes on the article. She says, um, similarly, travel can be another deal breaker if not talked about ahead of time. A man I know has always loved to ski. 
After he and his partner retired, he became obsessed with planning trips to exotic ski destinations, but his partner wasn't on board. Preferring to play tennis and lie beaches in warm climates, their arguments grew more fierce. My turn, your turn didn't work because they were both unhappy half the time. Finally, they tried separate vacations. Fortunately, that has worked like a charm for now anyway. So they just, and I've heard of, uh, I think, um, I forget what comedian uh, used to say that all the time. Um, Red Skeleton maybe said, yeah, we get, um, we we have great times on vacations. Uh, she takes hers and I take mine and they just do it at different times. And that's, um, that works well, I guess, for some people. That wouldn't be ready for, right for my wife and I, but some people would work. Um, so just make sure you're on the same page. Then she says, um, finishing off the article, she says, retirement is wonderful, but it can also be difficult. Am I ready is an emotional journey into yourself as well as an assessment of your situation. There's usually some excitement in every new stage of life. After raising kids and working hard and doing the best we can, this is the first time that most of us have had total control over our lives. It can be the best time ever, time to learn a lot about your, ourself, Finally, growing whole in so many ways. Are you ready for that? So I'm, I'm not sure that she says, when she says total control over our lives, I don't think you ever have total control over your life, but you certainly have more control because you don't have the the regular routine of going to work every day, getting up at a certain time and so forth. And I think it's uh, can be easy to waste time at that point. But of course, hey, maybe that's the way you can relax and, and do it right. So those are some questions that I think are good to ask yourself in retirement. As we always uh, love for people to give us a call to talk about how we may be able to help them plan for retirement financially. We can also try to help them work through some of these other issues and to make sure that the, from a financial standpoint, you can do some of the things that might help your marriage last through retirement so that when you have different ideas of what you want to do and what you don't want to do, that maybe creating the the, national, the, the uh, financial resources to accomplish those things can be where we can help with that. So we'd love to speak with new people. And if you'd like to find out if whether or not the Ronald Blue Trust and our team can help you plan for that, can help. And all these things we talk about on Talking Monday, we're talking about the Roth conversions or whether we're talking about Social Security planning, when to take Social Security. Uh, we're talking about how to invest your assets so that you don't have all your eggs in one basket and that you have, you've, you've planned for what might be a long-term investment versus an intermediate-term investment versus a short-term investment, and you invest in different things accordingly so that hopefully you can stick to your plan because one of the, the worst things you can do with any investment or financial plan is not stick to it. It's got to be one that you're comfortable with that you can stick with, and and that's what our advisors do. And, and a lot of people, of course, say, well, I don't, I don't really want to pay a fee for doing anything. I'm, I'm a do-it-yourselfer. Well, I'd encourage you to at least speak with us and spend some time finding out what we do. Maybe spend some time speaking with even some of our clients that have been with us for many, many years that are happy to speak with you about their um, their experience with us. Uh, we'll have some more uh, testimonials now that we are a trust company and under the OCC as opposed to the SEC. Uh, we're allowed to share some testimonials with clients. So I'll be sharing some of those with you in the weeks to come so that you can hear what some other clients have said about working with us and, uh, and maybe even have some of them on the air that, they're, that are willing to, to share some of that with them. But if you want to get in touch with, with me at the office, 800-588-7526, 800-588-PLAN, which is 7526. 
uh, just feel free to give me a call if you want to call on the weekend and and get my voicemail that's fine if you want to send me an email the easiest one is still mike at talkingmoneyradio.com mike at talkingmoneyradio.com if you've got a question for me just a, a general question happy to answer your questions no charge for those questions love to answer them and as long as you don't mind if i share them no names of course as a, a potential question that we might discuss on talking money that's fine but love to hear from you 800-588-7526 to to set up a time we'll set up a phone call first we'll just chat and see if it sounds like something we may be able to help with and because we definitely are as concerned about uh, you being a good fit for us as you are um, us being a good fit for you that it works both ways so that um, that number once again 800-588-7526 or the email address mike at talkingmoneyradio.com and of course if you want to get the information we had on this show or any other show go to talkingmoneyradio.com and click on the listen tab and that'll tell you right where to go to find and you can search by topic and get the information you need without the sales pitch well thanks for listening to talking money we'll talk to you next week with another edition of talking money though i'm an employee of ronald blue trust talking money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program during the program i may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas these discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.